Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the No Names and players currently making a name. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 114. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Good morning. And Treg Wilson. Hello. So, uh, not much happened. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> no, it's so... Show it's, ever. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a pretty busy few days since the last episode. A <clears throat> um, couple games against Calgary, uh internet the twitter exploded because of what happened in that series you know the usual stuff um but before we get started on the the habs we can do a little bit of an around the league uh matt you had some uh some prepared statements uh, regarding your status yeah so um uh alexander ovechkin oh oh that oh, okay yeah go ahead my status 
I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, so Alexander Ovechkin, we'll get into him first. Um, last night, he tied Mike Gardner for um, seventh all-time in NHL scoring with uh, 708. He's now uh, nine goals away from tying uh, Phil Esposito for sixth. So uh, so congratulations to him. He's always been one of my favorite players. Um, just, a, just a fun guy to watch, right? He's always just, uh, you know, every goal – looks like his first goal and he celebrates and he's he's great for the league when he's not uh breaking uh covid protocol <laughs> that's true and i'll segue i'll segue into the covid thing and um there was news that um uh, minnesota wild first round pick uh, marco rossi is uh returning to austria to wrestle with his family due to complications from covid19 um he was um Sideline indefinitely due to an upper body injury on January 10th. And there hasn't been any other details regarding that. So um, it could be possible that uh, he, he got the virus while he was recovering from the injury. Nobody seems to know. Um, They haven't made any more statements regarding his illness. Um, But you know what? This guy was a possible dark horse for the, uh, for the Calder. Like he, he turned heads, um, put up a lot of points for um, the Ottawa 67s um, and uh, played on a really weak Austria team uh, during the juniors, but he was still a guy that you noticed every time was on the ice. So, you know, wish him all the best. Hopefully he's back on the ice soon because he's, he's got a promising career. Yeah. He could have been able to play in Iowa this year because of uh, the OHL not playing at the moment. So that could have been a, a stepping stone for him if he didn't crack the lineup, but um yeah, the COVID, the COVID situation that that trumps it all. So just hope he gets back 100, percent and he can do what he was gonna do anyway. Um, moving on from that, uh, there's some more news in the league about Sidney Crosby and a possible trade eventually, where he stated if he were to ever leave Pittsburgh it would be to only play for the Canadians. And now social media is a buzz with <laughs> Montreal trading all their bottom feeder players to Pittsburgh for Sidney Crosby. Um, a <clears throat> uh, little background on that. Sidney Crosby was a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up. His father was drafted by the Canadians in 78 or 79. Like, I think it was 84, same year as... Uh, yeah, or 83, 84, whichever year that Roy got uh, drafted. Yeah, so uh, they were that both, year. he was a goalie. Uh, Troy yeah. Crosby is his name, and he's not a very likable person. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, he uh, – so Crosby grew up a, a Canadians fan his, his whole life, um, and he did say that I don't see – Pittsburgh stealing Crosby. I think uh, there's rumors out there that Rutherford was fired because he was trying to trade Latang, and uh, the ownership didn't want anything to do with that. They're still in a uh, we want to win now situation. I think good thing they didn't trade him because now he's hurt. Yeah, and well, and Rutherford. I think Rutherford wants to rebuild, wanted to rebuild the team, and ownership thinks they're in a win now situation. I'm kind of siding with Rutherford on all this, but uh, um, so. The rumors are going to run rampant on social media about Crosby. I wouldn't look too deep into it at this moment. Um, I can't off the top of my head tell you what his contract is up or anything, but uh, not for a few more years. And yeah. it's a it's a decent cap hit, eight point seven. That's a good cap hit. So yeah, 
um, you know, great. So you imagine the Canadians do trade for him. He's got maybe two, three years left, and then his contract's going to be an albatross. All the people that are harping on when I put po- I posted a few days back that Vegas and Montreal won the Pacioretty trade, and everyone, everybody, almost to a person, was mocking me, calling that horse crap. Well, we tra- look what we got. We got Suzuki and Tatar. Blah blah blah. Like that's great. Well, they're Suzuki's younger, so we traded away an elite goal scorer. And we got back a quality return. They get what they want. We get what we want. So if we, if Montreal were to trade for Crosby, would these same people say that the Canadians won the trade? Depends on who goes back. But to to get a Sidney Crosby, you're going to have to it, give it's up Sidney Crosby. Yeah, he's a game give changing. A he's an elite game changing. Uh, mythical mythical player of our time like he's the one of he the has been yes he, he has, has been, been. i mean even today i would take Sidney crosby over most centers yeah. in the league yeah and for uh, a couple more years for sure but then who wins a trade in, the, in that because to get crosby you'd have to give up a suzuki oh a suzuki a caulfield a first and a cockney and emmy or something yeah. like that like you so, have to give up the entire farm to get someone like Crosby. So who wins that? So However, if, if, Pittsburgh's looking at hiring Peter Chiarelli, so you never know. <laughs> we'll trade him away for Magic Beans. I heard I heard a rumor that uh, the Hextall was in the running for that. I yeah. just think that would yeah. just be, even though I think he would do very good for the organization, I just think that like you go from Philly, then you go to Pittsburgh, I'm like, eh. That would ruin well, his it's legacy. A little, it's, a little, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. It would ruin his legacy. So... Imagine but, if he goes but, to Montreal, he'd want to fight Chelios every time there's an alumni <laughs> game. But you got to think, though, he did really good things for Philly. He really did build yeah. up that team and build up the roster and everything. So He helped out L.A. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, so I'm definitely yeah. on the Shirelli bag, bandwagon, though. Oh, God, yeah. I'd love to yeah. see Shirelli there. <laughs> I'll trade uh, Crosby for Dano and Mette. And Ryder, uh, Ryder, because and, fucking Gary Galley. Oh. Gary Galley just... Had him on the ice a lot last night. So, Ryder, second. We don't have Halak yet. I, uh, I, <laughs> How long has uh, it I, been since Ryder's was in the league? It's been, what, four or five years four since Ryder left? Years. Probably been longer than that. I think he was, in, he was in Detroit or Boston when he first stopped playing. I, I, I'll give I'll give, a, uh, give a guy once. But yeah, I, I throughout that, the game, actually. Throughout the freaking game, you're doing it on purpose. So I got Ryder here. Last season in the league was 14-15 with the Devils. He oh, played 47 okay. games and put up 19 points. I, uh, so by, I tweeted when Galley said it the first time. I said, I can see the mistake, same number. They look alike. I get it. And then when he just kept repeating, I was like, well, that would, he, now he's either doing it on purpose or – I mean, Gary Galley's the only color commentator that talks more than the play-by-play guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like stop, stop with your stories. We want to, we want to hear yeah. what's going on with the and game. And most of the your, stories are bullshit. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And stop with your terrible takes, because you know, like the hit on cocky. Well, we can get into that later, but that that is going to be a segment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just, if just you're stop. if you're calling him Ryder, call him. I can see the first time, but throughout the game, all night long, nobody just went. Hey Gary, 
to Foley. Yes. Oh, sorry, my bad. And then just or, change over. No, 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 no. He He's doing it. There's one of two reasons. You're doing it on purpose or you're a friggin' idiot. I go with the what second one. What is it? I go with the second one. Uh, I don't know why Sportsnet still has Galley doing play doing uh, color comedy. He's terrible. For he's, me, it's it's for me, it's the, the fact that he does Canadians games. Like you can tell that like he's not he's not a Canadians fan whatsoever, and he goes out of his way. He hates them. He yeah, he, hates he them. right. He goes out of his way to say the most like to just like <laughs> slide in negative stuff, and you know you could you could see someone skate through center ice with a skate attached to a stick, and like Buddy gets hit in the throat with it, and he'd be like. Look pretty clean to me. Looks like he might have gone a little bit, but you know, look pretty clean to me. If the Canadians player didn't do that, he wouldn't have gotten that. Yeah, throat. it's all his yeah. fault. But anyway, he he but Gary, Gary Galley could be a whole conversation. Yeah, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna simmer a little bit because I know I know that we can talk about this for hours. And what kills me is John Bartlett does an amazing job. He does. He does. And he's saddled with Gary Galley, which drags him down. It makes him look worse. Well, yeah. Galley doesn't let him talk. That's my point. <laughs> like, Galley's just like, oh, I remember back in 86. And it's not even a story that happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just his, uh, his Adderall-infused brain just, oh, I'm imagining I things. I think, uh, I think Gino Ojic would do a better job play-by-play than uh, Gary Galley. Anyone would. So terrible. what we're saying is we don't like Gary Galley doing the Habs games. I don't think he'd be good doing any game. Personally. Especially I, teams yeah. that he hates anyway. Well, someone someone on Twitter last night, I can't remember who it was, but as the game was going on, I saw it. Uh, they said, oh, look. They cloned Mike Milbury. <laughs> I, I actually tweeted out to Sportsnet to please fire Gary Galley for all of hockey for all of hockey uh, fans everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right. Enough crapping on enough crapping on Gary Galley. He gets enough of that at home. He's the I'm Brendan sure. Kelly of play by play. That's an insult to everybody. <laughs> Don't get me started on that guy either. Oh, we'll have a whole show where we just trash. The, the had people we hate. <laughs> the troll episode. <laughs> All right. And uh, the last piece for around the, uh, around the league, uh, Mike Comito, a uh, friend of the show, uh, has is going to be releasing a new book, uh, Hockey 365, The Second Period. So if you've had the f- good fortune of reading his first book, Hockey 365, it's stories uh for every single day so every day you open the book there's a different story that happened on that day so he's got a new book out following along those same lines a a hockey story for every single calendar day so it was an amazing read the first one uh we uh as part of the show gave away uh, as a contest some of these books um we may do that again once the book comes out, I've already pre-ordered mine. I would suggest everyone else pre-order theirs. Uh, but those who don't, uh, it might come up again where we, uh, we hand out some more of these books because Mike does an amazing job and he has supported us. So we're going to support him. 
Yeah, he's a must follow on Twitter too. The the videos that he puts up and the pictures he puts up daily um, in support of Hockey 365. There's some really good stuff on there, and um, anybody that's a hockey fan can uh, can appreciate that. He's not just a a fan of one team. Um, he is. He's a Leaf fan. I'm going to okay. put it out there. He is. He is, He's but he isn't. Fan. At least, at least you see. At least you see stuff on there from all teams, and yeah. he does a very good job of it. And uh, I said he's a must follow, so so definitely check him out. He but, works with LA, doesn't he? The Kings. Yes, so he yeah. does work with the LA Kings. Um, he's also uh, he also works with the Sudbury Wolves, and yeah. So he's he was the team historian for the Sudbury Wolves. He was the first time that Sudbury had a team historian. Uh, he put out some great stories, especially about Howler, the uh, the stuffed wolf that would come down from the uh, down to the scoreboard after every goal. So if anyone's been through the OHL and has gone to Sudbury for a game, they'll have experienced uh, 5,000 screaming Sudburyans and a screaming wolf after every goal. And he, he put out a great story on that. Uh, but yes, he is a Leaf fan. He's, he's raised a Leaf fan. However, he is now surrounded by Habs fans in Sudbury, living in the Francophone area of town. So... So, but yeah, check out Mike's book, um, pre-order it. I have, and uh, yeah, thanks Mike. Okay. So we'll move on. We're going to go into our Habs stuff now. Uh, We're going to talk about the Calgary series. We're going to break that down a little bit. Um, so the Canadians are one and one. Okay. That was great. So moving on, nothing happened. It was completely uneventful. Well, the first game was first game. Montreal just outplayed Calgary and really made Riddick look like a fool in nets because I don't think Riddick looked good at all. But, uh, the second game was a very different, very different hockey game. From, from the first game. Well, the first game was a pretty, uh, the Canadians controlled the play five on five. They controlled it. They, they took advantage of their power play time. They took it. They took advantage of their shorthanded time uh, with their fifth shorthanded goal. And Calgary looked flat. And I, uh, after that game, I warned on Twitter that Calgary's had a, a, a team meeting players only, which <clears throat> normally goes one of two ways either the team continues playing like crap and they trade away half the team or they come back and they play, they play like madmen. And I expected the latter. So, and they came out and they played hard. Calgary was a very different hockey team in the second game. However, the Canadians still controlled a lot of the play. The difference being they weren't shooting on Riddick. They were shooting on Markstrom. And I think Markstrom was the difference in this game. Jake Allen played extremely well. He made a lot of good saves. So no one can fault him for anything. He doesn't score goals. He stops them. He let in one goal in 32 shots. One. So he did his job. I don't think the forward group uh, did enough to 
get a goal. Like they got a lot of good shots off. They got uh, they got shots in the slot. They, but when Anderson left, the entire the entire feel of the lines changed because Julian had to do the line blender. What do you think, Treg? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> the first. I wasn't going to say period and a half. Calgary was kind of controlling the play, but Montreal kind of did a pushback. It wasn't more of a pushback. I think it was more of a Calgary had the one goal lead, so they just kind of, all right, we're going to just clog the neutral zone, and yeah, they're going to have to fight their way in. Um, Montreal had a lot of shots, but their shot selection was very – a lot of belly pads, a lot of side of the net. Um, not taken away from Markstrom because he made some big saves on some shots, especially on Tatar and a couple on Gallagher. Um, but again, the, the rebounds were there and the def- Calgary defense just Montreal could not control the rebound because Calgary's defense was just right on it. And uh, that was the difference from the game before. Uh, the game before Montreal used their speed and size to get behind the Calgary players. And I mean, and this year, in this game here, they had a few chances. They had a couple three-on-ones that just didn't go their way. But uh, um, Calgary just didn't give them that chance. They, they, it was almost like they played a uh, one-three-one uh, one, kind of defense, and Montreal just couldn't get behind anyone to to let their speed out. And when Anderson went, you're absolutely right. The lines got juggled up. Uh, Toffoli, I think, was playing with uh, Suzuki and uh, Drouin. And uh, not that they played bad, but that just he just doesn't play the same style that Anderson plays. So um, there was some uh, good points. Allen, I think, was excellent. I mean, uh, you can't complain about a one nothing loss. Um, he just he stopped every. I mean, he stopped everything he could stop. And the Gaudreau's goal, he nobody was Price wouldn't have stopped that goal. So no, that was care. a nice goal. It was just. What are you going to do? Um, what are you going to do? So, well, maybe have the penalty kill, I don't know, play a little bit more aggressive. I thought the penalty it, kill it, it was, was good. A, it was a bounce, though. Yeah. Right? It was, it was a bounce. bounce. It was a bounce, and the face-off was in that part of the zone. Right? Mm-hmm. It was a shit bounce, and all of a sudden, you've got a guy that's a natural goal scorer that's wide open. Like yeah. As Strang said, Price probably wouldn't have stopped that. Most goalies in the no, league probably no, wouldn't no. have either, right? So no, that's true. Even Gary Galley said pucks have a way of finding good players. And that was even if Gary Galley says that was a lucky bounce, it had to be a lucky bounce because we already talked about him. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, the Canadians were unable to create any speed in transition. You're right. Calgary was playing a trap style game. They, they set up uh, a left wing lock funneled the Habs into, into one side of the ice and then just locked that down. They, their transition game was slowed which means their zone entries couldn't be as controlled as they, they want it to be. <clears throat> They're playing the chip and chase at that point. And with their, with their transition game slowed down, they don't have the speed entering the zone to really attack the defender. So the defender has more time to get the puck out and off it goes. <clears throat> so Calgary adjusted properly. Yeah, it, It's uh, I mean, I I don't know if we're going to get into this now, but there were some questionable calls in that game. A um, ton. Um, and it kind of, it kind of was both ways or soft calls both ways. I'm not gonna, I don't think the refing was as good in this game as it was the game before. Uh, but the most predominant non-call, well, actually there was a call made, but not to the right person, uh, was the hit on Kaki Nami. And, uh, 
Oh, you mean the one that Calgary tweeted out, Dubay, strong arm, and, and then, then they, they deleted, deleted it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, you know what? If he didn't push up or, uh, I don't think he left his skates, but he certainly uh, rose up on his skates. Um, I don't know. That That's just all around. I think that was the worst hit in the army I hit. I think uh, it was all to the head. His whole forearm hit caught Yemi right in the face. Uh, if that's not a hit to the head, I don't know what is. I know uh, player safety says 50% of the contact has to be on the head. I'm pretty sure that's more than 50%. Um, like, do they do like a like a calculus there? Do I, they, I do they no break idea. down the video and say, oh, okay, well, his size of a head is this. 45% of the head was hit, not a call. Uh, I George Peros. I didn't. Look, I don't look at him as being someone who's good at math, so I have no idea how they do it. Um, but it was a dirty hit. It was a, an intentional hit. He intentionally meant to hit him where he hit him. And the only thing, uh, Cassie Campbell's Pascal said it best. <clears throat> the only thing he got going for him is that he has no priors. Uh, yeah. And we'll see what happens. I don't expect anything to happen out of it, just because I have no faith in the player safety but uh we'll see and i and just so everyone knows i would say the same thing if a montreal player did that to a calgary player because that type of hit is just not something we need in the league anymore it's not 1985 anymore so so i'm just trying to find yeah so where's the i don't know matt what did you think of the the cotton yemi uh, after the game cotton yemi said i don't really care that's things that happen in the game when he was asked about the non-calls. And my response to that is Cotton Yemi's never going to say a ref missed a call again. What he, he'll probably get suspended. <clears throat> you know what? That shows maturity in the kid too, though. He, he, yeah. he you know, he, he yelled at the ref during the game. He got the penalty. Uh, and since then he's like, all right, I see how this league's going. I'll just let my coach and someone like that deal with the. Uh... Well, according to Holtby, <clears throat> he didn't yell at the referee. All he said was, hey, ref, you missed a call. Bam, two minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's a ref's going to have thicker skin than that. I've refed enough lacrosse games yeah. and stuff like that to know people right. are going to say shit. So he gets a two minute for saying, hey, ref, you missed a call. And then he's asked after a game, what did you think of that non call about the high hit you took? He's not going to say, oh, that guy's a douche. No, he's going to, I don't know, you know, blah, blah. Canned response, the- hockey player. And the funny thing about it is Sherratt went after him, grabbed him by, by the head, and they never blew the play down. Like, Cotton Yanni's on, on the ice. Yep. Everyone uh, stopped playing, too. Everyone Every, stopped everyone playing. was just like, yep, that's a penalty. And everyone was going to start Except grabbing a partner. And then the refs were like, play on. And everyone was yeah. like, play the whistle. Okay. <laughs> right? so, yeah, they're like, go ahead, guys, keep playing. We're good. Yeah. I'm just right? counting and this then, money here from your owner. And then Allen uh, covers the puck, uh, and then a scrum ensues, and Weber gets a penalty. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't even know what Weber did. He didn't do anything different than anyone else in that scrum, but he comes. He said, "Hey, ref, minutes. you missed a call." Yeah. Um, Probably. <laughs> so I mean, that's. I don't like blaming the ref. I, I'm not a big one to sit there and blame the refs for shit, but stuff like that, gotta. So I got into this after the Armia hit, and I'm going to do it again. If you're not going to call stuff that players all see as borderline, you don't even give a two minute call. Like 
you could have given a two minute call on that and it would have calmed shit down. If you're not going to call that, players are going to police themselves. Things are going to get out of hand. It, and, and the last time it was is, just Edmondson and uh, Myers stepping up and fighting. Myers. And that's enough. But in a case like this, where it's going to simmer for, a, for about a week or two because they don't play the Calgary Flames again for a little while, and this is going to be in their back pocket, shit's going to get a little bit uh, chippy. Which, especially since no. Dubé's not really a fighter, so he's not going to accept no, the challenge. No, 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 no. And Kotniemi might be the one going after him. You know, the re- retribution Which amongst he players. can do. We've seen it before. Yeah. So it's stuff like this. So it's going to escalate. And Brian Wild made a point on that. He said, "This is in the league's best interest. Not making these calls creates the animosity, which creates this." heightened level of aggression which makes people want to watch more which helps their bottom line so where's the incentive to improve uh the level of officiating or make any rule changes it's just it's perpetuates itself so the the players are going to police when Connor mcdavid when yeah. Connor mcdavid misses the rest of the season due to a head injury that's when they'll sit down and say, uh-oh, one of our star players just went out with a head injury from a, it's a gonna questionable happen. hit that wasn't called. That's when they're going to step in, like, or an Austin Matthews or one of the big star players of the league that's a face of the, a face of the game, Ovechkin, Crosby, you name them. One of those players gets a serious injury due to a hit like this. That's when they'll step in and say, all right, we have to do something about this. Well, we that's what happened... It. We know that they we we know that the NHL wants to see more goal scoring, and they've and they've done and they've made changes to goalie equipment and to pants and to this and to this and to this to increase it. And now we've seen, especially early on in the season, increased amount of penalty calls, a lot of time on the power play, and it's it's very frustrating to watch as a fan because you see a hit like the one that we saw in Cockney that went uncalled. And Weber gets a power, uh, Weber gets a penalty for roughing in the uh, in the ensuing scrum. When you've got a guy that's slow to the bench, bleeding from the nose, etc. Yet you watch the rest of the game, and there was some really really weak calls. So if you're not if you're going to call the weak stuff, you've got to call the the very apparent penalties. If not, it's either you let them play to the level that you just didn't call and leave your whistle or you start calling everything, which is going to slow the game down even more. And it's going to get to the point where it's going to be like, you may as well just play shorthanded all fucking season because that's the way it's been so far. And it's not just the Canadians. I, I I've seen it, um, especially throughout the North division. There's been a lot of calls. It was, uh, it was like that, the Edmonton uh, Toronto game the other night. And it's been like that kind of throughout the North division so far this season. It happens a lot in Leaf games when they're down a couple of goals. They tend to get a lot of power. Well, points. that's true, but won't get into I'm that. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's planned, but yeah, but it's 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 just it's frustrating very, to watch. Very coincidental, right? Because you see a guy, you know, uh, like yes, the penalty against Kulak to start the game, it was a penalty, but you know, a little one hand on the back and Buddy just goes flipping and flying, and then Cockney takes you know two forearms to the face, 
play on. It's you know no roughing call on that. Nothing. Yeah, no nothing, right? So Drew Wan got a tripping penalty because the guy actually just he was just holding a stick and the guy tripped skated. He went over. in his lane. Like he did. He just even, skated. He just literally he skated across him, and that was it. And tripped over a stick, and and you could see yeah. Drew and. As he's skating in, just put his hand out like this, going, I'm just skating. I'm not yeah. doing anything. By me. And he falls and he gets a two minute penalty. <laughs> it's Joanne's fault. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so. his fault, as they would say on, an, on a, another podcast. But as you but as you said, uh, Blaine, the, the, the teams don't play each other for another little while. There is going to yeah. be that built up um, pressure to uh, to respond. And, uh, you know, thankfully, Kakaniami is okay. Um, but you know what, for me during the sea, during the series, especially yesterday, um, you mentioned the players only meeting and everything. And, um, you saw, you saw some guys playing with a little bit more snarl, but I'm not even kind of snarl. It was kind of just like the little, the little bitch moves, like, like the whole thing with Backlund. Well, the thing with Backlund coming in with his head multiple times and our, and our, and our good buddy, Gary Galley saying, Oh, that's just leverage on the face off. I'm like, come on, you know, that's buddy, a, that's if you, illegal if, leverage, right. If you're, if you're headbutting a guy with your helmet, he did it to Evans. He did it with Gallagher and Gallagher challenged him and he skated away, okay. obviously. And, yeah. um, and, you know, the, the little things after the whistle, like um, Romanov getting hit in the face and getting a penalty for it. Yeah. Um, that's his fault was, for being there when the fist went right into his face. Yeah, absolutely. His fault. And, but you yeah. saw the, it was just the little things like that, that I didn't like And the, and these are the things that went uncalled and this is stuff the players are going to remember. And, um, I've got a tweet here from Habs links and it's pretty funny about Lucic. And, um, um, the only reason I saw it was Dale Weiss actually commented on it. And I thought it was kind of funny. So he said, uh, Milan Lucic is like that bully that everyone in your school was afraid of growing up, but now he's 40 and works at the gas station. <laughs> so I laugh pretty good at that. So like shout out to Habs links for that. Um, but it's true. It's, um, you know, he's, he's not a guy that's going to go after, you know, he, he, he beaks a lot. He talks a lot. Um, we saw it in the first game against Calgary that um, Canadians are up. It was four one at that point, and Tuchuk takes a run at uh, at Evans and barely misses him. And in the ensuing um, the ensuing play, Anderson takes a little bit of a run at Valimaki, and Lucci just like, "Oh, you can't do that! You can't go at one of our young guys." It's like, "Well, look what you just did." Yeah, but see, and I, this I is noticed was- since. Uh- I was just going to say, I noticed since Sherratt put his fist in the Chuck's face, the game when Chuck was very quiet this game. He was. He was very, very quiet. quiet. Other than other than interfering with Drew a couple times, but other than that. <clears> oh, <throat> well, that wasn't, that wasn't interference, though, because I don't know why. But, but this, is, this is the point I was making earlier. The guys are going to start stepping up and dealing, it, dealing with it themselves. Uh, what we saw back in 2010 when Crosby was having his concussion issues, the league stepped in. <clears throat> you yep. mentioned you mentioned the the whole star power thing. If a star gets hurt, they're going to be they're going to be concerned. Crosby was having concussion issues back in 2010, so they decided to crack down on a lot of these things. And for a couple of years, they did. And yeah, it, it did take away a lot from the game because <clears throat> they kind of they kind of overdid it. Excuse me. So they over they they went past where they needed to go for these rule changes, and it took away from the aggressive style of the game. 
then they kind of ease back. So the pendulum swung has swung all the way back to where it was before all this happened. So they spent a decade trying to improve the game and did sweet nothing. Well, now, well, now it's not, it's not about the physicality. It's a lot, a lot of the calls now are stick related. And we brought this up on another show with, um, with the whole Mathot thing and his finger kind of dangling down and all (laughs) that kind of stuff. But um, for me, I've always been a fan of the physical aspect of hockey and there is a place for it, but going back to the whole hockey and Emmy hit or even the Armia hit, if they're not going to call and they're not going to protect the players from penalties or, or, or situations that um, are, should be suspendable or at least, you know, thrown in the box then as you said, the players are going to police themselves and yeah. that's when you're going to see the next level. That's when you're going to see the blind sides. That's when you're going to see the, um, the stage fights. That's when you're going to see the, uh, the rough shit after the whistle or a player taking Liberty on another <clears throat> player that should never be in that situation. You're seeing, you're going to see uh, a much bigger, much heavier, much more aggressive player going after one of the stars or going after one of the young guys or something like that. Yeah. Someone that should never be in that situation and the teams are going to have to police themselves. And you know, what does it, does it create, must watch TV, as you said, absolutely. People are going to watch it, but that's the stuff that they're trying to get out of the game. And if they continue down that road, you're going to see one of these star players get injured and the in in the, the league's going to be like, Whoa, like pump the brakes. You guys, uh, you know, you can't do that to this player. And it's like, well, you shouldn't be able to do that to any player. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to do that to any player. I mean, it's like you say, people are going to watch for all these, oh, there's going to be a fight. These guys are going to yeah. go do it. And then all of a sudden, Sidney Crosby, say, gets run into the friggin' stanchion. Yeah. I'll let Chara patch. Oh. Pittsburgh pan- fans, gonna, are they all going to be like, well, this is a joke, right? Well, well for um, me, the, the thing that I'm really tired of seeing, and they even talked about it during the, during the Montreal-Calgary series, was the whole thing with Muzzin. And you know this thing is going to be on replay right up to the, the point the they play again. Bullshit. Yeah, and 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 they're and and they're going to play that right up to the point that they play again. If something happens, whoop de do. But at least, you know, we don't need to see it every every couple minutes. And like Brian Bur- Brian Burke even said, like, why are we talking about this? Like, let's talk about something that matters. Yeah. Well, it, he flipped the puck big big freaking deal like at the end of the game he jumped on your goalie's head yeah. he jumped on your goalie's head and the only thing you're going to do at the end of a game is flip a puck at the guy but what, what but it made him really sending? angry he was super angry but what message but what message was he sending basically he's him, telling him like i'm not really going to do super anything angry so it's totally cool <laughs> yeah, that's well, okay you know campbell's what, uh, campbell's on ir now did? yeah yeah for a leg injury, even though he got his head jumped on. Leg bones um, connected to the head bone. Yeah. So, yeah. so you brought uh, up. But I mean, it's like it, in the Montreal game, Kachuk got in Price's face and Sherratt put a fist in his face. Yeah. Over. And then Done. he wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, but the, the but overall. Maybe you should the, have flipped a puck. I don't know. So the game, the game is getting super fast. The the, the players are are doing this basically at sprint speeds and they're, they're following a plan. 
they're not they're not reading reacting as they used to do now it's just sprint 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 go sprint sprint so people are going to run into each other things are going to happen people are going to get hurt from that so i can see why the league maybe doesn't mind them wanting to slow it down get back to the more with with more hits and stuff and i like that i like a good physical game but not the high hits keep the arm or the arms down dubey's hit had it, i don't uh, he didn't have a lot of time to uh to change his direction or read what was happening like it it was it was fast so i'm not i'm not calling for dubey to be given any extra fines or suspension none of that to me that was just a 2 minute penalty because he got his arms up and got his fist in his face when he was coming in to hit him yeah but even if Kakaniemi hadn't turned around that would have been like two to the either the back of the head or two to the back and that would have been a hit from behind anyway if, not into the if, boards but it, if he would either way around. there should have been a penalty yeah like a two there should have been a two at least <laughs> at least just for the arms up not not because of the hit uh, just because he had his arms up if he would have kept his arms down and his shoulder down and hit him i think that would have been a perfectly clean hit and it would have been perfectly yeah, fine absolutely they said i'm not trying to get the physicality at hockey i no. love it. it's fantastic to see and there's some players that have really made their career off of it it's just you can't call one thing <clears throat> and then not call another now back to the series itself um is there anything that we can say that there's some lessons learned in this two game set. Uh, for me, it would be, um, you know, uh, pump the brakes a little bit, uh, you know, have Twitter and Facebook and everything like that. Like it's been one game, you know, I, I put the Wusta thing out there last night, like calm down. We're not going to trade the team. We're not going to fire the GM. We're not going to fire the coach, et cetera. You had um, uh, Josh Anderson was taken out of the game, which we'll get into. Um, and, and you ran into a hot goalie. Right. The uh, the uh, the flames were blocking everything and Weber was doing everything he could to get pucks in. He hit the crossbar. He broke a skate. He probably broke some bones, you know, like he did everything he could. And then the team were getting their chances. They just couldn't get one past uh, past Markstrom. And it is what it is. It's one loss. Calm down. We've seen some good things out of this team. And uh, for me, the 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 bright shining point in this is Terry Price was given a night off. Allen looked really good. He gave them a chance to win. They didn't. You move on. We'll see you on Monday. Uh, The takeaway I would take with this is you have to look at hockey and the games as like baseball series. So if you're going to play three, two, three game series against the other teams, if you come away with more wins than the other team in that series and keep winning series, not necessarily games, uh, you'll end up on top. So uh, if you go into a three-game series and lose a game or lose a game in overtime, even hockey has that kind of a a good mystique, Uh, if you get the three points and three games out of that series, you're going to be ahead uh, at the the end of the season. Uh, That's how you have to start looking at hockey this year, as as if you're a baseball fan, as in how baseball goes. You have a four-game series. As long as you win two or three of them, you're okay. Uh, you don't have to win them all. Um, another thing I'll take away is the power play starting to get predictable like it was last year. I noticed that in the last two games against Calgary. Uh, it's still, st- that, especially that top line, 
you can tell that everyone wants to give the puck to Shea Weber for a shot. Uh, yeah. Petrie lost the puck a couple times trying to get the puck over to Shea Weber. I don't think Shea Weber should be on the top power play anymore. I think he should be on the secondary power play. That's my opinion. Um, and they got to really, they really, they're starting to do that whole, let's skate up to the blue line and puck pass the puck back so that you can try again to get over the blue line. If you're going to do that, you might as well just dump it in and take your chances. Um, yeah, anyway, we talked that, about that in other shows. I yeah. hate that drop pass crap. Um, that That's my takeaway. I think the power play is getting, even though it's eighth, last night was eighth in the league going into last night's game. It's probably less now. Um, it's getting very predictable. And you could tell when that top power play unit out, everyone was just trying to get the puck to, to Weber for the big shot. And because every, everyone just stands there. Everyone stands in their spot. Whoever just goes up and down from the blue line to the hash mark and everyone just, there's no movement anywhere else. So watching that, you're like, oh, okay, well, Buck's going to him. And that's the way Calgary played it. And that's why, I mean, he did hit the post. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking away from Weber. Weber has that shot and it's convenient. I just think him on the top power play takes away because everyone just wants to get the puck to him. All right. So for me, uh, I'm going to agree that the power play wasn't uh, wasn't very good that first wave, but I'm not going to blame it on Weber, and I don't think Weber should be taken off of it. What they need to do is stop deferring to Weber all the time. You're right. It's, it's telegraphed. It's obvious. But removing him from the first wave doesn't take away the problem. The problem's still going to be on the second wave if he's down there. The team whenever he's on the power play defers to him he should be one of the weapons if the lane is open awesome if not petrie should either be taking a shot himself to for a tip or to pass down to the other side where drawing would be or suzuki so that they can set up a play from the half wall that should not be the the weber slap shot that one timer should be one of the weapons. If you move him down to the second wave, it becomes a problem there too, because right now the second wave is the reason why the power play is so effective. The reason why they're up there. The first wave isn't doing the heavy lifting in this, uh, on this power play unit. It's the second wave, the one with the different look, the, uh, the one that's using the one, three, one with them at the man in front of the net. Everyone is a, a threat to shoot or make a play. And, it's unpredictable. So that's the wave that's being, that's carrying the power play right now. They're not doing the skate up to the blue line, come to a complete stop and then throw it back to a guy flying in from the, the blue line. <clears throat> They're carrying it in. They're doing controlled zone entries. That's successful. The first, wave when, needs to, the first wave needs to follow suit. I find that when Weber's on the power play, um, it opens up the slot and it's, and yes. it's, and it's something that, um, they just don't, they just don't see every now and then you'll see a pass go to the slot and you might get a chance or you might get a good, a good scoring chance out of it. But as, as Trey said, they usually just defer to Weber and his, yeah. and, his, and his huge shot and everything, which is a fantastic weapon to have, but you need to have a little bit more weapons in your arsenal. Can't be predictable. And you're yes. right, Trey. That's what they've been doing the last little while. Uh, for me, the lessons learned on this two game set is that the Canadians I think they got. Uh, I think they they kind of bought their own hype a little bit and thought that they could just score from anywhere. 
they've got to be more aggressive when they're in the offensive zone. Basically everywhere around the ice and not by throwing more hits or, you know, slashing the guy, but attacking the puck, the puck is it. The puck is there, go for that puck. And you got to win those battles. They've been winning a lot of those 50, 50 battles, but when a team starts to push back, I find that the way Calgary did anyway, that the Canadians, uh, they kind of, they ease off a little bit. Now, granted, you know, there were some changes in the lineup because of unforeseen circumstances. We're going to get into that here in a minute. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it's make the adjustments you need, but keep that battle, that, that battle level there. I, uh, I think losing a game after a good run, like they, like they've had will be beneficial. Now they've got a game, uh, they got a set of coming up against Vancouver who they've had some success with. Uh, Vancouver's going to come in and they're going to be motivated to avenge their losses. And Treg again was right. You have to face these series, these baseball series as these, it's a two game set. I need to get, I need to get three points. If I get three points in a two game set, that's a win. Sure. You lost an OT who gives a crap. You got three points because of the, it's all about the standings at the end. So um, on that, I think. uh, Did you say I was right twice? Yes, I did. Oh, mark that on the calendar. (laughs) You know what else you need to mark on the calendar? Valentine's day. And Valentine's day is coming upon us guys. Make sure you're ready for whatever the night may take you. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming, are here to tell you that you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day. Two million men are already trusting Manscaped's products to groom. Make sure you're one of them. Your girl can think of what what to get you this year. Tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. The best way to get started is with the Manscaped Oh, I lost my spot. Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Full of the best products to keep you looking, smelling, and feeling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by their revolutionary third-generation lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which has advanced skin-safe technology and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's also waterproof, which presents <clears throat> prevents a mess on the bathroom floor and in the sink especially when it's time for Cupid to shoot his arrow. And let's be real. We've smelled the worst down there before. That's why I am thankful for their crop preserver and crop reviver. These products keep our boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The Perfect Package 3.0 will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Easily the comfiest boxers I've ever had. And complete your grooming game with the refined cologne signature scent by Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all of Manscaped's formulas, this cologne is the perfect complement to this collection. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Remember, 20% off and free shipping with the code unfiltered20 at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code unfiltered20. Happy Valentine's Day from Manscaped. Aw, isn't that nice? I am. Uh, nice? Tina's birthday is a week before Valentine's Day. So I take a day in the middle and call it Birthtime Day. And uh, <laughs> apparently that's wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> My, my my birthday is a week before Valentine's Day. Yeah, Tina's is the seventh. Well, there we go. Happy birthday to us. Yeah, Tina's is the seventh, and Valentine's is the fourteenth. So I'm like, well, you know, she doesn't want me to spend a lot of money. So like, I gave her her own special day, like say around the tenth or eleventh, called Birthtime Day. And you know, we go out. And apparently, for years, this has been pissing her off. So. Uh, <clears throat> there's so many things <laughs> what do you think ladies um, that listen to the show do you think birth time day is the wrong thing to do i think i should do both or i i don't i see the logic in the birth time day so combining the two holidays into one uh, yeah and she has her own special day all to hers just hers maybe they'll think that she deserves the two days just for her which brings me to my point on Valentine's Day. Why is it just for her? What about us? Aren't we yeah. as men romantic and deserved romance as well? I just take advantage of all the chocolates that go on sale the day afterwards, right? So. <laughs> oh, my, my wife doesn't like Valentine's Day, and which is helpful because then I save money on shit because I buy her flowers afterwards. I'm like, here you go. There you go. Because they're all half off. My wife, lo- my wife loves Valentine's Day, except she gets Birthtime Day, so <laughs> it's a bigger day, just for her. Bigger day, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so moving back on to the topics of the show, <clears throat> uh, the so uh, Josh Anderson left the game, uh, went down the hall, and everyone was wondering what kind of a what kind of injury did he have? Cause nobody saw anything on the ice. Turns out he left for having flu like symptoms. So he has tested negative for COVID right now. And he is at home resting and dealing with this. So they're probably going to have to test him again here tomorrow. I would think. Um, Eric Engels tweeted that it would be today. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So two negative tests. We would be pretty safe to say that he doesn't have it. Um, what may be related, but we're not sure, is that um, Laval has canceled their practices today for precautionary reasons. Uh, and it does seem like it's a COVID protocol precaution. So, looks like COVID's come home to roost. Hopefully, just precautionary. I, I just think they're just, they're like, I think they're just going to keep Anderson away from the team until he's got that second negative test. Yeah. And then, um, you know, maybe we won't see him at the, uh, the morning skate on, uh, on Monday or something like that, but I can see him at least being a game time decision unless it's like, you know, like actual flu and not, uh, and not COVID because apparently, yeah. you know, the flu is making a comeback. Yeah. Right. So it is well, that if, time he, of year. Yeah. if he, uh, if they practice today, I don't, he'll be at the practice today. Uh, no. He has a negative no. COVID test today. He should be at the morning skate on Monday. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be, unless he still has the flu. Uh, if it's 
This would be around the time Montreal normally gets the flu in the regular season. Um, I think it's just before Christmas that they would, like around the 10, 15 game mark. If you look at traditional hockey seasons, that's when you see a couple guys out with the flu. So, I mean, hopefully it's the flu. It looks like it's just the flu. I mean, there was a rumor that was his groin was bothering him, and that's why he left when he first left. Uh, I might have tweeted that because I heard it from someone else. Um, but it's eh. Jack Todd made a tweet that I thought was kind of funny. He goes, it's hard to believe in the midst of a pandemic, people are happy that a guy has the flu and he's not injured. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. true, though. It's, it's, true. it's true. It's true. Like, as long as it's the flu and not COVID, uh, then people are going to be happy. Because if it's COVID, then that's yeah. – you might as well say he's injured because – He's out for two weeks, so. But uh, now the the one thing that concerns me more is Laval. So uh, as we're recording, it's Sunday morning, and the news came out this morning that Laval had to. Um, they canceled their practice for pre- precautionary reasons. Um, I'm just looking it up now again. But you would think Laval too has. More players coming from all over the place just coming into the training camp what last week did they start their training camp i think yeah uh, for Lavelle. yeah so but they've been they were all in isolation the ones that you know so they've been following the protocols um but yeah there's nothing new that has come out about that since it was announced a couple hours ago um so for now we don't know we we just don't know if there if there may be if if nobody ends up being testing positive, then great. But this, maybe it's related to the Josh Anderson thing. I don't know. It would seem odd because each group has its own bubble. They have their own rooms uh, at the Bell Center. They have their own, because Laval's playing at the Bell Center this year. Um, so they have, their own, they have their own spaces in the training facilities. They have their own spaces in the Bell Center. The media has theirs. Uh, so... Uh, the uh, the opposing te- NHL teams have a bubble. Uh, opposing AHL teams will have a bubble, and yeah, uh, I, I'm not. There's not We're a lot speculating to speculating just now. We're yeah. just speculating. We're just pulling stuff out of our butts at this point because the only word that we have officially is that Laval has canceled today's scrimmage. That's it. So. Hopefully everything turns out okay and we don't have to worry about too much. Um, I'd like to, I don't want to go in too deep on this because uh, I'm, we're trying to get a, uh, probably one of our next episodes is going to be about the, the minor league teams. So uh, we'll see what we can pull off there. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. Treg, you got something? Uh, not about Laval, but we can bring up the rumors of Mete wanting to yes. be, uh, yes, trade. Yes, we can. Uh, so his uh, agent... Uh, has informed the media that uh, Mete wants to play and they don't see him fitting into the team this year. Uh, And uh, he wants out. Now, Bergevin has come out and sent texts out to some media people saying that uh, he's not shopping, he's not trading Mete, and there's been no discussion with his agent over a trade. Um, As we all know, agents like to play media games so 
he might not have went to Bergevin to say he wanted to trade. He might have went to the media first. We don't know the situation. <clears throat> but reputable sources like Pierre Lebrun, uh, Rene uh, Lavoie, uh, they're the ones that came out and said Mete's requested a trade. His agent said this. And they're also the ones that came out and said that they were taxed by Bergevin, um, that he knows nothing about a trade and there's no trade and, and what uh, going. Um, as we all know, I'm one of the biggest Mete fans in uh, Habs history. Um, but I will say this about Mete. Uh, I, I, I slag on him a lot. I will say about this. He needs to play. And right now he's not playing. He wants to play. He's, he's you know, he, they're not going to put him on down to Laval because they're not going to put him on waivers because they will lose him. Mete does have value. He can skate really well. He's good at uh, entering the zone with the puck, and that's pretty much it. But uh, um, there's value to him. There's a lot of teams out there that could use defensive help, uh, especially in the Canadian division. Winnipeg and Vancouver are the first two teams that come to mind. Um, So maybe there's a trade there. It all depends. I mean, it's all in Bergevin's hands right now. Uh, Mete is a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, I believe he's a UFA at the end of the year. I could be wrong. No, he's an RFA, RFA at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, so Bergman kind of has control over this situation, really. So it'll be up to him. Uh, one of my Twitter followers, Robert Louie, he's afraid that uh, the depth will lose depth on defense if we lose Mate. Yes, uh, but I think uh, Ouellette could fill in as that seventh D guy. Unless there's a major injury. Kale Fleury. Kale Fleury. Uh, I don't know how Brooke or uh, the Swedish guy are doing down there. I don't think they're... Olofsson? No. no. Olofsson and uh, what's his face? Uh, Link, uh, Otto Leskinen would be a good Otto one. Otto Leskinen. To... He'd be an all right one because he has some experience at yeah. a pro level. Um, are they as good as Mate? I think Fleury is in a different way. Uh, I think Olet kind of is in a, in a dip more to the, what the system, the Montreal Canadians are playing now with that zone, which they always yeah. play, but it's more of a physical zone, uh, zone defense than sure. So, uh, if it's going to happen, I'd rather it happen sooner than later because it's, it's something, a cloud that comes over the team and you just don't want it. So, well, Mete's agent came out and told Pierre Lebrun, there isn't opportunity to get in the lineup it's best for both the player and the team that he move on. Now, Kulak had a tough game last night. I mean, he just did. He had a hard time. That's your path in. You you have a you have a player who has a tough game. Maybe he gets taken out. You get to, you get in. If you're going to be uh, so uh, moping and not working hard in practice, the coach won't put you in. So you got to work your tail off in practice. Do the little extras, the extra skates, and all that other crap. Show that you're re- you're ready and willing. And then when someone has a tough game, you go in. That's the way in. But I think, if I, th- I think this is going to put pressure on the team to hit them, have them in the lineup either uh, maybe on maybe on Monday. Maybe. But seeing that it's a back to back, I I would be uh, I'd be surprised if we didn't see him in one of those games. Exactly. So Kulik had a tough game. They have a back to back coming up. Maybe they put Mete in for the first game and they let Kulak sit and, you know, get his bearings again. It's stuff like that. Like uh, Romanov, as a rookie, they weren't expecting him to be as as good as he has been. 
they were probably expecting to uh, to rotate Mete in sooner, but Romanov has been solid on that on that pairing, so that kind of closed off one of the ways that Mete can get in. Now, Bergevin flat out said, "No, no one's told me about a, a trade demand, and no, we're not trading him." Like he was emphatic. So, what kind of trade value does he have? For one, and two. What are the need, what are the needs for the Canadians? So, I can't imagine Mete's trade value being extremely high. Third pick, maybe th- a third over a third a third round pick. Maybe, th- maybe a second value, on team. I think his values went down so from last year, especially with his with his play in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, he was only you know through ten games, he was only averaging just over twelve minutes a game. And a guy like Willette jumped over him, was playing more and playing a hell of a lot better, and um, he wasn't playing playoff hockey whatsoever he was just playing just he just seemed like he was just out there floating and he was doing more uh he wasn't doing much good when he was on the ice that's that's more recency bias though so but overall throughout his career he's been a guy who who but you brought it up yourself and you 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 said you said that um that his agent said that there's no there's no um um opportunity opportunity there's no path for him to get in the lineup right now but that's on the player yeah if um you know, you've got your you you're you're a young player. You're 21 years old. You got 171 games of NHL experience. Were you thrusted into that position maybe a little bit too quick? Absolutely. However, 171 games of uh, NHL experience, and then you've got the shiny new rookie in Romanov, and as you said, we're looking to see if you know they were going to be cycling in and out. But you can't overplay that player. Or you can't overplay somebody like Kulak or Edmonston or whoever. You haven't earned your spot in the lineup. You have to do the extra shit at practice. You have to show the coaching staff that you're ready to jump in, do the extras, so you're going to be in the lineup full time. Like, I'm not going to say you should be, but your stats show that you should be a full time NHLer right now. But your play, obviously on the ice and off the ice, hasn't been to that level that you should be in the lineup. But for his value right now, even though he didn't really do much in the playoffs, he's still, like you mentioned, a 21-year-old. He still has 170-some-odd games experience. He has played on top pairings. He has played on the power play. He has shown that he can. He, he's good at zone entries. So there is value to that. But And, and here's another thing. He's on a one-year deal, an RFA, on a super cheap contract. So that... For a lot of teams that are up against the cap, that that has that has some value. That could raise the value. It could, it but could how? Ra- it, but it, how much? Not by it, much. You also got to look at his career too. Is he 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 was thrusted into the uh, top pairing? He wasn't put there because he outplayed anybody else. He was put there because they really had no one else to put there. Um, and since then, he's really dropped in the depth chart behind everybody yeah like he hasn't and i mean and again like i, I slag mate a lot but mate has his he has his qualities he's good he's good with the puck he can skate he can he's a good passer he he, he can get the zone entries in he's whatever the problem is is he can't do he doesn't create offense and de- positionally defensively he's good he can positionally defend very well he just can't do anything else. He can't clear the he can't clear the net. He can't win puck battles along the boards. He can't analytically. He's an analytical darling. 
because of all the stuff he does with the puck. The problem is the eye test shows that he's a weak defender. And uh, I don't think, I mean, I think a third's good for him. I don't think that's a bad, whatever. If a team's desperate, maybe a second, a late second, maybe. It it would have to be a Canadian team because they'd want to, they don't want to have the quarantine going on. So correct. Basically, Mete is a, a poor man's version of Vince Dunn out of the Blues. Now, Vince Dunn is actually on the trade block as well. So who would you rather have, <clears throat> Vince Dunn or the poor man's Vince Dunn? And where does Vince Dunn fit in Montreal, though? No, no, no. I'm not talking about Montreal. I'm talking about You're the just rest talking of the about league. players no. that are on the play, yeah, that, are okay, on the, yeah. that are on the block, yeah. So yeah. you have you have two players who are similar. One is Vince Dunn and one is a poor man's Vince Dunn. And the rest of the league is going, well, that's a tough choice. I'll, I'll go for Vince Dunn. But his value is not very high yeah. either. So you, you're not going to be trading him for value. If you're moving him, you're going to lose out. And, and here's why. You, you're losing a player off your roster for that depth. That is what you're going to be relying on. So... What do you bring back in? So this is where the Canadians' needs come into fl- come into play. You mentioned Wadette, uh, Leskinen. Uh, there's options that they can have as a seventh D man that can be on the roster, and that's fine. I, I don't think any of those choices would be terrible for you know one game here or there to kind of fill in. But if there's injuries, then yeah, Mete holds a higher value than those players. So you'd rather keep Mete what other needs do the Canadians have? Like uh, I know people were joking because Bennett from, uh, from Calgary demanded a trade as well. And they said, well, I just trade Bette for Bennett, but that doesn't help Montreal. We don't need a Bennett. Also making I don't like think two and a half million dollars. So. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Montreal really has a significant need right now. Well, they've got two things really? that they would need. If they move Mete, they need another seventh D man. So you're just trading a seventh D-man for a seventh D-man. And another need would Which be is useless. a star player. And Mete is not going to bring in a star player. So you're kind of behind the eight ball there, Vic. Right now, I just, oh, you know what? what? Mete, Deneau. Yeah, yeah, and Ryder, yeah. <laughs> what about Mete, Deneau, and, 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 and uh, you know, for Crosby, that's that's perfect. I lack Ryder in a second. So for so for me on this, this is just um, since they lost Juleson for nothing, yeah. they can't lose Mete for nothing. Exactly. And 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 it, you know, I, I personally wouldn't want to see a draft pick. If it happens, it happens. It is what it is. But Canadians already have an abundance of draft picks. They've got a lot of guys in their system, and I find it ironic that the first game that the Canadians lose, all of a sudden somebody comes out and says, Mete wants out. So it just yeah, kind of seemed like... before the game was over. So. Yeah, that <laughs> was during but, the game. That was said right? but, but still, it just kind of, it was yeah. ironic that that's the way that it happened. But I can see, as I said, Mete jumping in the lineup, one of the Vancouver games. And um, it's, 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 the ball's in his court right now. Like, um, his play either has to get better and he has to demonstrate that he can be a regular in this lineup, or he's going to be a guy that's going to be on the, uh, on the outside looking in. And 
he might end up somewhere else. But right now, Bergevin's, Bergevin's got control of this player. And he's going to use him either as his own rental player and and um, move him move him at some other point, or he's just going to be uh, on the outside looking in. Right now, Mete is getting pressure on both sides because you've got players that are in the lineup that have pushed him out, and then you've got depth in the Canadian system that is also going to push him out. You've got guys that are coming up through the system like Harris and you've got Struble, you've got Norlinder, you've got et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that are, that are working their way up the system. And Mete with his play right now should not be in the lineup on a full-time basis, but I would not be surprised to see him on Monday. He's got to earn his way onto the lineup. I mean, yes, hundred percent. Uh, and, and the thing with Kulak is he's working very well with Romanov. Like Kulak is. has been a, a per, almost a perfect partner for Romanov, teaching him the game. And I, I mean, I don't think Kulak had a terrible game last night, but he didn't have a, a great game. I don't think Romanov had a great game last night either. The thing with the but, thing with uh, uh, the thing with Kulak is just the errors that were made were the thing, significant. Were significant, yeah. and it was it was the fact that like yes, it was a weak call, but it led to a goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what everyone's going to look at. And it was the winning goal. So, so more may- people are going to look at Maybe that. that opens the door for Mete to play one of the two games in, against yeah. Vancouver. And, and there's no reason why he couldn't. There's no reason why Kulak or Romanov, for that matter, can't, Romanov, sorry, for that matter, can't uh, sit for a game in a back to back. There's really isn't. The only thing with Romanov is it might be a, a mind thing where he's like, well, why am I sitting? I don't think I really had that. There's no reason to sit Romanov. He, he's actually played extremely well. Oh, even definitely. that stupid definitely. penalty where he took a punch in the face and got pen, penalized for it. Yeah. Even in that, he looked good. You know, his hair flying back, it looked great. Well, he's, you know what? There's, there's no, there's, there's no reason to take him out of the lineup right no, now. None. Um, yeah. Like, why would so, you? Right. So that leaves that leaves Bergevin in a in a position where a player wants out, but the hell is he going to do with it? He's yeah. not he. It's not like the normal years where they could just trade him away and say, "Yeah, you know, we're going to do you. We're going to do you a solid. We'll move you someplace where you can get some playing time. Thanks for all you've done. Here you go." In in a year like this, there's quarantines that have to be dealt with. There's they they can't just bring people in. So maybe this is going to be a long play. Uh, if they were to just trade him away for a pick, which I think is useless considering they got 14 picks this year. Um, and, and we're not even sure there's a draft that's going to happen. So they might have to, there's, there's some stuff going on in the, in the background. That's another show. Um, so let's say, so they got 14 picks this year and 10 the following year. Uh, you get another pick. whoop do you do? Like, what, what's that going to do for you right now? The team wants to win now. They want to make a push. They want to do well in the playoffs. So they need they need bodies. And on the depth chart, he's kind of that that he's a tweener because you've got the guys down in the AHL right now who could come in and just hang out as a seventh man. But if there's an actual injury, Mete's way better than they are. So what do you do <clears throat> if you want to move him out just just to move him out to do him a solid? Well, you got to bring someone in. And just looking at Who's available as 
uh, a free agent right now on defense. There's guys like Cody Golubov played for uh, Columbus, uh, Jeremy Roy, uh, Ryan Manta, and Mirko Mueller. I think he'd be Mueller would be probably the best level comparison. Like he's he's at the same kind of level as Mete. So if they wanted to get rid of Mete, they could sign this Mueller guy, bring him in, but then he'd have to do his 14-day quarantine and go through all the testing. So you'd be without that depth for a couple of weeks. So either you get something of value that helps your roster by moving Mete, or you suffer the two weeks without that option by moving Mete out for just futures. It's almost like he has to find someone in the Canadian division that where they have a defenseman that wants to get moved out as well. It, yeah, the, the Canadian division is kind of handcuffed in that in that in those in those moves. Like, look at the trade deadline. You got the trade deadline in April. You make a move on the trade deadline day. You got to wait two weeks for whatever player you picked up from the states to to come in and play. That no, and the season's almost over. The season will pretty much be over. Uh, so. These are these are things that they have to look at. So if they're going to be making a trade for an American based from an American based team, they're going to have to make do for two weeks without whatever the return is. <clears throat> if they're just going to trade them away for picks and sign someone, they have to wait two weeks for the guy to show up. So, but even if they they trade them for like you say, or they sign Mueller or something like that, then you got to look: are they better than Fleury or Let? Are they going to be any any different? Uh, Mueller probably, uh, maybe. Um, and I'm not saying Ouellette and Fleury, Mete is not, they're better than Mete, because if they were, they'd be on the taxi squad right now. But uh, I think and if, unless there's a major injury, you could go with either one of those guys on your, on your, uh, on your yeah. bench if, or, or on your 22-man roster. You um, can keep them there. For the for... major injury, you're, you're absolutely right. Mete is yeah. the guy you got to go with. So. If you need a guy long-term, you don't want – you don't want to have them in long-term because then you don't have any backup. You don't have any more depth. You've just spent it all. So you, you want Mete there or at the very least someone of equal standing. So, but to do that, you got to wait a couple of weeks if you're moving them out. So you're, you're going to have two weeks of uh, don't get hurt guys, you know, like, so it's, it's a shell game. And if the player really wants out, hopefully he brought this stuff up to management before his agent went public. Cause we saw what happened in Columbus, how things got really, really toxic, really fast, but there's no John I mean, Tortorella in Montreal. Yeah, I, I like John Tortorella, but anyway, he's just, me. Oh, Torts is great. But once he's, he's, he's one of those types of guys that, when his mind's made up about you, you know, if you're, you're at this level in his mind, he'll treat you that level and that's it. So is there any other op, uh, any other points you guys want to bring up? No. The only thing, I'll, the only thing I'll say is Mete can't, they can't lose him for nothing. That's uh, the, the last thing I'll say. Exactly. And buy Mike Camino's book. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Buy Mike Camino's book. I don't think Mete's, 
with the Habs next year anyway, regardless. But no, uh, we'll see. No. We'll see what happens. Off-season moves will be happening. So um, I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, we uh, we appreciate all the uh, all the new subscribers to the YouTube channel. Keep uh, keep checking us out there. Um, we'd like to grow that a little bit more. Uh, it's still we're still just starting out there, so bear with us. Um, thank you for listening to the podcast on all the other platforms that we have it on, and you know the DMs are open. Uh, send us uh, send us some messages if you want to see us on another another type of platform on a different uh, what whatever. We're open. The door is open. We want to interact with you. We want to make the show better to keep you guys happy, to keep you guys uh, informed and listening. So again, thank you for listening. Um, And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Matt Cundall, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world, and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.